Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hi, everyone. It's Robin Openshaw, and welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. I have an exciting guest today who really reminds me of the last 25 years of research I've done on cancer. My grandmother was diagnosed with a very deadly metastatic cancer when I was 15 years old, and I watched her journey. She actually beat this deadly cancer with very outside-the-box non-standard of care, no chemo, no radiation therapies. My uncle was diagnosed at this about the same time my grandmother was. He had a stage one Hodgkin's disease, which is one of the most treatable forms of cancer. And he decided to go with standard of care and did chemo and radiation. And unfortunately, he only lived about 18 months and died a very devastated death, extremely underweight, extremely toxic, and left behind three young children. And so I was really deeply moved by that when I was young. And I was very curious about why are medical system absolutely insists on providing absolutely nothing outside of what my grandmother called cutting, burning, and poisoning. And you may find that a pretty provocative thing to say, that that what oncology provides is cutting, burning, and poisoning. My grandmother felt really strongly about it um, after being bullied, really, by some doctors back in the early 1980s, and she wanted nothing to do with it. She did have a surgery to cut the melanoma out of her arm. It had tentacles by that point to other organs, and they diagnosed her as also having breast cancer and lymphatic cancer. But what she did was pretty out there, and she went across the border to Mexico And she drank tons and tons of green juices, like 11 greens and vegetable juices a day. And my grandmother lived another 25 years. And she went on to uh, be there to meet each of my four children as they came into the world. And she was a huge part of my life. Huge inspiration to me. I really don't think greensmoothiegirl.com or this mission or this podcast would have ever happened. I don't think that my own 24-year-old son, when we were deep in a crisis, would have, you know, that I would have had the inspiration and information to be able to turn his health around and mine and get down to a right size and healthy weight and be a competitive athlete at 50. None of that would have been possible had my grandmother not shown me the way, which really shows the power of example. And recently I met Ryan and Teddy Sternagel. They recently started a site called My Kid Cures Cancer.com about their journey the past three years since their son Ryder was diagnosed at a very young age as a toddler with neuroblastoma, a very deadly, rare cancer. But unfortunately, childhood cancers aren't so rare anymore. Um, The average newborn is coming into this world with it when they test the umbilical cord, 230 different carcinogenic or toxic chemicals. And so with babies being born more toxic, what can we do for them? What can we do for them when they get cancer? This may not be a subject that's of interest to you, but I think what you will be interested in is how this young family completely turned their lifestyle around. Now they have two children and they have a remarkable story, lots of great actionable tips. And so I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from Ryan and Teddy Sternagel. Ryan and Teddy Sternagel, I'm so excited to have you on the Your High Vibration Life podcast. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having us. We're so, so excited to be here. Hey, Robin. Hey, Ryan. I'm, I'm really glad to have you here because you've just been through a whirlwind few years and you have an amazing story. And we really should just start with how, as young parents, the absolute worst nightmare of every parent happened to you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. So I'll encourage Teddy to, to cut me off at will because I always end up forgetting something important. But it was a little over three years ago now and Teddy was nursing Ryder and she felt a lump in his back. And, uh, you know, it wasn't huge sticking out of his back or anything, but it was it was definitely there. He had to be bent over at the right place, but I could feel it too. Uh, so she took him in to, the, to his pediatrician and in the meantime, we started, you know, just kind of talking about other things that that had worried, that had started to worry us. Um, he had completely fallen off the growth chart. He was born in, I don't know, the 90th percentile. And I think he was down to what, like 25th at that point. Yeah. And um, what else? And it, it was, it was 
maybe a month before his first birthday, he wasn't crawling or really even barely pulling himself up. So there were, there were a few things that, that started adding up to us and we took him into the pediatrician. Um, she was not concerned about the lump for some reason, told us to go home and we actually got a, a referral to an orthopedic. What was it? A, occupational therapist to, uh, to teach him how to, to teach him how to crawl. What do you want to say something? And a, and a physical therapist as well. So they weren't really addressing the lump, but just trying to, um, fix the fact that he wasn't walking and wasn't eating. And I mean, our concern was with the lump. So we went home and we were not really happy with the answers that we got. So we did get the referral for the orthopedic physician's assistant. We went in and um, and this was at our main hospital and they weren't worried either. They did x-rays and blood work and other than him being super constipated on the x-rays, which was also really concerning for us because he had been such a regular pooper before that. Very and then, regular. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just stopped pooping for two weeks. Um, they sent us home and said, just come back in six weeks. So Ryan and I went home and I think just made it through the weekend. And I'd been Googling the whole time and we made it to about Monday and called the hospital and said, we need to get back in and see a doctor. And I had Googled and landed upon the term neuroblastoma, which is a pretty rare type of cancer, but well, it's one of the more common childhood right, cancers. Right. But uh, but yeah, so Teddy had it diagnosed uh, well before the well before the doctors did. We finally got back in there and you know got to a, a somewhat real doctor. I think it was an orthopedic doctor. We finally I don't know why they kept trying to put us with with orthopedic people, but um, but we finally got an ultrasound and sure enough, there was a mass that was concerning that now we need to get an MRI for and. Uh, well, and when I said that I thought that I was neuroblastoma, the funny thing was that um, both the doctor and the nurse kind of laughed it off and said, oh, there's no way that it's neuroblastoma. Like he looks great. And typically those kids have super distended stomachs, which he didn't really, even though he was so constipated. So um, yeah, like Ryan said, the ultrasound showed the mass and then um, that immediately led to an MRI and the MRI we were told was only going to last about 45 minutes. And Ryan and I were in there for, what was it? Uh, like Almost two, two hours. Two hours. Yeah. And yeah. the, uh, yeah. <laughs> nurse finally, nurse and the doctor finally came back in and they had, uh, tears in their eyes. And, um, yeah, they, they said the, uh, the, the lump that we felt was just the tip of the iceberg and that he had a tumor larger than his kidneys inside of and growing out of his spine and uh and a couple secondary tumors and they had all metastasized into his bones and yeah yeah so that that was not good um you know we we, we knew it was knew something was bad just just from the amount of time everything was taken and the build up to it but you know, nothing can nothing can quite prepare you for for those words coming coming out of their mouths. And um, I don't know. So that's that's where everything obviously changed pretty rapidly. Uh, the the tone of the level of concern the the doctors clearly changed very rapidly. It went from you know come back in six weeks to you guys need to be admitted inpatient to the hospital immediately. Um, start chemotherapy immediately. Yeah. Start chemotherapy immediately. And, you know, at, at that point, you know, obviously we've been researching natural health stuff for three years now and have heard about quite a lot, obviously didn't know as much then as we knew as, as we know now, but I, I don't know, we, we had you know, just out of general interest seen like the Brzezinski documentary and a couple Gerson movies and just, you know, we're into general health and, and natural health in general. So we knew there were other things that we wanted to at least look into before diving right into chemotherapy. So we did, we did get, you know, a proper diagnosis. We got a biopsy. Um, we got, uh, we actually did consent to get, getting a, uh, a line put in a central line that, you know, it's what they, what they use for, for chemo with kids that can't just get poked all the time. Cause we had been hearing about, you know, intravenous vitamin C and DMSO and IPT and, and all this stuff that, that we thought would be good to have a lion for. So we got that. 
So and, just uh, to just to break in here, uh, yeah. IPT is insulin potentiated therapy, which is a low dose chemo that that helps it go where it's supposed to go and not be so systemically devastating. And Ryan's talking about probably jumping ahead that he studied some alternative therapies for cancer that need a central line because they're delivered by IV. Am I right? Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, when we went home, we were calling around, I mean, literally the whole country, we called uh, the whole world, world, Mexico, Spain, we called Brzezinski's office and um, he actually has a practice in Spain too. And unfortunately, just due to the FDA, there was really no one else that could treat Ryder. But I mean, at that point, Ryan and I knew just from our general, you know, at least knowledge and just what we had already learned about with natural health that we didn't need to wait. We could start right away. And um, and even though he didn't have a feeding tube, we started ordering supplements, a juicer, and just started revving up on, um, on anything that we could do that we had heard about um, before the diagnosis. Yeah, I think we must have spent, uh, I don't know, five, maybe a thousand bucks just in overnight shipping charges alone, just trying to get, you know, everything we could as, as quickly as we could. Right. I mean, we immediately ordered a sauna. We ordered some pretty big equipment. Um, we just, anything that we had heard of with, um, with good studies. So during the course of us calling around, Ryder actually developed a staph infection that um, was because there was a staph living on his line that was placed during surgery. Well, yeah, we didn't even know what it was at first. Right, we didn't know, but it turns out later that it was staph. And so we had to bring him back to the hospital in a state of emergency. Um, He spiked a huge fever and really, I mean, just his overall appearance was just really scary. So once we came back in, um, that's when we did consent to chemotherapy. Um, We had... Yeah, I mean, just so the uh, I guess the part that we didn't uh, necessarily make clear was that the tumor inside of his spine was oh, yeah. literally threatening to paralyze him mm-hmm. at, at any second. You know, every every oncologist or doctor that that sees that thing now is is amazed that he's still that he's still walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, started walking. Yeah, that, that he's walking now. He, he that that was that answered the question of why wasn't he crawling at at a year old because he had this huge tumor in his spine. Right. And I mean, it really is a miracle that I discovered it because it was sticking out because they also said, I mean, it could have just been something as sudden as literally just a sudden death from severing his spine. And it was the fact that it was sticking out and we discovered it that, um, I mean, we were able to diagnose it and, and treat him. Yeah. So don't let uh, don't let health professionals right. blow your health concerns yeah. off. <laughs> Intuition is a pretty big part of our story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a definitely a recurring theme. Well, and maybe maybe the fact that you were nursing him as long as you did. I mean, right. as as strange as it is, like was a big part of that discovery that you might not have. And a difference of days or weeks before you went into motion may have been a life or death difference. For Ryder, you know, I haven't, I haven't told you this yet and I haven't come on your show yet. You have a podcast called My Kid Cures Cancer and I've been listening to your podcast. I know, Ryan, you've been listening to mine and you don't know this yet, but first of all, two things. First of all, I did a three and a half year research tour all over the world. I've interviewed Brzezinski and others and uh, on several different continents, 19 different clinics, just on my own dime researching and not because I had a child with cancer, not because I had cancer, but because cancer is a research interest of mine. And I had a project in mind that I wanted. I really wanted people to know more about the alternatives that they have. And other other people, including our, our mutual friend, Chris Work, Chris Beat Cancer, have stepped up and been heroes and brought the information that they've studied and learned through their own cancer journey. And you are now you are now stepping into some amazing heroic shoes like Chris Wark has to bring important information to people that standard of cares, uh, mega billion dollar industry of, you know, really limited to what insurance companies will pay for and what makes 
pharma billions of dollars is limited. It's limited. And in your case, it was the, it was the right thing to do. I, I can't imagine what I would do if my child were diagnosed at such a young age. I would think, well, you know, green juice isn't going to cure this. So, you know, because just so young and, and rapidly growing and compromising his, his uh, life. But another thing you don't know about me is that I had a 15-month-old um, very close to death and below the fifth percentile and in and out of hospitals and in a completely terrifying situation that led to Green Smoothie Girl. Greensmoothiegirl.com is a result of my going online and telling my family's story. And who knew that it would be lead to 15 books and a, it becoming my full-time job. And I think you actually sort of have a vision for that. I certainly didn't when I started. But um, what, what you did was heroic. And you've walked that narrow path of choosing what's best for a writer. And I mentioned to you that I will... And I will tell this story on your show. It's not the topic here, but that I went to bat for a family called named the Jensen's here in Utah, where their son was told they, they were told that their, uh, I want to say his 12 year old son had probable Ewing sarcoma and the state the attorney general's office, guardian ad litem, primary children's hospital, all came down on this family and demanded that they get this kid into chemo and radiation. And they refused and they wanted some time to think. They weren't just like, we hate chemo. They were like, we're not sure this is right for our son. We're not even sure our son has Ewing sarcoma. And the father lost his job. They lost their net worth fighting. They actually ended up not so much winning as much as just time spun out and the doctor who had been pursuing it really lost interest in the, in the case and went to another state. And so then it was just, you know, the actual government, uh, attorney general's office and, and uh, guardian ad litem and primary children's, the institution fighting with this family and things strung out and strung out and strung out. Meantime, this kid isn't sick. The kid isn't sick and the kid never had chemo or radiation. And it's now well over well, it's about 12 years later and he's a healthy father of two. Um, never had cancer. And there, there was a rush to judgment. And once we think a kid has cancer, then we need to hook him up to a IV line and start administering chemicals immediately. And the family was like, we're not sure he really has Ewing sarcoma. We're not, we're not completely convinced that we want a second, we want a second opinion. So, you know, with that as background, I, I mean, I went to their court case, I went and met with the attorney general advocating for them and other families. And I started to discover there's lots of families who they don't have rights. They have less rights than an accused murderer would. If you, if a doctor says your kid has cancer, standard of care is so widely accepted, even with its pretty low success rate across cancers. I'm not talking about neuroblastoma for children. I'm talking about across cancers that you as a parent, if you want to opt out of it, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And there are cases I've studied or worked with, uh, Katie Wernicke, Abraham, Starchild Cherricks, and others across the country that were like national news story, like the Parker Jensen story was. And so that's a nutshell of sort of my background on it. Um, I had a child who was failure to thrive and I opted out of standard of care and fixed the problem myself and the results for my son as he's now just turned 24, are spectacular. And we needed to do those things. And I believe that what you've done for Ryder is going to have a ripple effect. I just want to be like the wind under your wings. What you did for Ryder, and I want to get into some of the things that you did that your family now gets to benefit from, you will slowly start to think, this was my journey too, that you did this for writer, but it has incredible benefits for your family. You learned at quantum speed, all these things about health and wellness that your family needs to know. We all need to be opting out of all these toxic parts of our environment. And maybe for your second child, your daughter, maybe there are things that would have happened that won't, that won't happen because of the changes that you've made. But I also want to put to you that the impact that you're going to have on the world is something you cannot currently conceive of. It's going to be that big. Yeah, I've been... Uh... We've been hearing that more and more lately. Still trying to wrap our minds around it, but uh, I, I didn't know that about you, Robin. Um, I'll be I'll be excited to hear exactly what you did uh, what you did when you when you come on our show. Yeah, that'll be exciting. And I want to I want to really get back to what what did you do then? So you had doctors wanting to put him in chemo. You did do some chemo, and you did work with the doctor. But tell me more about that. Like, what did you? Were you able to choose in and out of some of what they wanted for him? And obviously, you were doing lots of alternative stuff too. Yeah. So um, we were able to. <laughs> 
kind of, it was like, I guess more of a don't ask, don't tell policy. We took a juicer into our hospital room and we were juicing for him. We asked for a feeding tube before he started chemotherapy because with he was one at the time, it was the only way to get meaningful amounts of anything into a system. Yeah, that was actually like a crazy thing. Right. Because usually they wait till the kid's all emaciated and, you know, looking terrible. And we said, no, we want the feeding tube now. And they're like, well, yeah. why? He looks great. And we're like, exactly. We want to keep it that way. So that was actually a fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we won. A wow. really big fight. Hold, just, hold on for one. I want, I, I want you to say something about juicing because you and I are, the three of us are extremely well-versed in the Gerson therapy. My grandmother beat beat a metastatic melanoma in her breasts and her lymphatic system with the Gerson protocol. But when you say juicing, you, you want to clarify what you're talking about and why you would, why you would need a juicer, because some people are like, what you fed him orange juice. (laughs) Right. So I'm glad that you said that we were, um, taking like loads and loads of all organic, um, but mostly carrots and green apples. And um, while we were at home researching and calling around, I had landed upon an article of a woman who had um, her son, Liam Woodland is the woman, her son 25 years ago was um, sent home from the Mayo Clinic with neuroblastoma. And after a year and a half of treatment, he was sent home to die. And she basically within six months uh, reversed his health and he's 25 and doing amazing today and juicing carrot juice was a huge part of her protocol. So we immediately knew we need a juicer and we need to be juicing a ton of carrots for him. Yeah, it's funny. You look at you look at Leanne's protocol because she has it written right out on, on a lot of her stories. And yeah, compared to all the stuff we were doing, it's <laughs> actually not a lot there. She just a whole ton of juice and uh, and some basic supplements, but nothing too nothing too exotic. And you know that did what uh, yeah, like a year and a half of treatment wouldn't do. And you know now me, I I you know like we were talking earlier, Robin, I I try to just knowing that it works isn't good enough for me. I still have to geek out and, and try to figure out why it works. And, uh, you know, you can go on to, to PubMed and search neuroblastoma in combination with beta carotene, which is, you know, a, a high, what is it? Flavonoid in, uh, in carrots. And, and sure enough, there's a ton of studies on beta carotene killing neuroblastoma stem cells, which are the worst kind of cancer cells. So Right. Yeah. And, and it's actually something that's prescribed for neuroblastoma kids um, in a high-risk group, and Accutane is a synthetic form of vitamin A. So they say it's not really the same thing, but I mean, we've seen testimonials of natural forms of vitamin A doing pretty miraculous things. Yeah, the you're right. It's flavonoids, and specifically it's carotin. The carotenoid antioxidants are probably what it is in carrot juice, and, and Ryan, as you and I have been chit-chatting today as we've both been listening to a lot of each other's content on our podcast. I told you that my grandmother diagnosed in 1981, refused chemo and radiation, and she drank so much carrot juice that she turned orange. I remember I was walking out of school with her once. She came to pick me up from school when I was 15. She was in town and and I remember not wanting to walk next to her because people were staring (laughs) because I was walking next to my orange grandmother. And um, now... now, Multiple comments about yeah, being very orange. Does, I, yeah, people would every once in a while like, does he really like carrots or yeah. what's what's going on? Why is he orange? Well, especially <laughs> his fingers and his toes and his cheeks. He just had such a wonderful, nice bronze tan all the time. Nice, healthy glow. Yeah, not yeah. what you typically see with kids going through chemotherapy. Yeah, that's a. By the way, anyone listening, it's kind of a nice side benefit. I'm an extremely fair-skinned person, but I have a permanent tan. And if you look at the palms of my hands, they're orange because I do I do a lot of juicing, and I also have my pink smoothie every morning, which has beets and carrots in it. And it's I consider it that there's like thousands of people who make my hot pink breakfast smoothie. It's delicious. It's not it's not juicing, but there's a beet and a carrot in it, and I've had that pretty much every day for about 20 years, mostly because it's delicious as well as good for you. But so yeah, juicing, when we're talking about juicing, we're talking about juicing greens, vegetables and fruits. And, you know, the Gerson therapy by Max Gerson, you know, for a hundred years has been sending people, often they come with stage four cancer and they go home well. It's not a miracle cure. And currently cancers are far more deadly than they were when Max Gerson was 
pioneering this whole method. And it's not just about juicing. That's not the only part of the Gerson therapy, but I feel like you guys just dove in. I feel like you both are really educated and sophisticated for your years. And you just dove in and learned everything you could and put as much of it into play as possible, right? Tell me some of the things you think made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's like, um, I just had Patrick Vickers on my, on a podcast who runs the Northern Baja Gerson Institute. And you know, that, that's the point he made was that the cancer is a lot more just deadly these days. And that's why he employs a lot of stuff over and above what the, uh, what the original Gerson protocol is. And that's, that was certainly our attitude was if, <laughs> if it sounds like it might be good or it might do some good, we were, we were going to give it a shot. Yeah. And especially since, I mean, to this day, we don't know what the silver bullet is. And I mean, whether you want to call it luck or not, which is, I mean, a pretty common term and conventional oncology, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, um, since Ryder is doing so well and he did so well through all of this. But I mean, we were doing IV vitamin C two to three times a week between treatments and um, vitamin C is something that ironically is frowned upon, but we found so many studies that um, IVC can actually make chemotherapy work better. Yeah. And again, you know, studies on specifically neuroblastoma right. stem cells, once again, with, uh, with, with ascorbic acid. So that was a big part early on. Um, we, sauna. Yeah, we, we got an infrared sauna, which it, we're, we're always looking for just the easiest thing to do for a kid, which isn't everything you come upon. So we had to be more selective and really, really try to figure out if this was going to work or not. But the, the sauna was really easy. You just sit in there with them for, you know, we, we've built up over time and you, know, you don't want to just go, go crazy day one, but, um, riders up to, I don't know, pretty we max the thing out temperature wise, 140, 150 degrees. We'll sit in there for, for up to an hour sometimes. And now it's just where he gets a lot of learning done. He can, he can count to 10 and what five different languages mm -hmm. just cause we have nothing better to do and than, than learn in the sauna. But uh, the purpose of the sauna is, um, well, there's a lot of purposes of the sauna. I just learned about the, uh, the whole fourth phase of water thing on, on your show, Robin, which I'd, I won't even try to repeat, but that was, that was something new that, that I didn't even know the sauna did. But yeah, I mean, it, typically when you hear about the sauna, it's, it's one detox, which detox across the board is, is going to be important no matter what. And especially, you know, Ryder was, was born with, cancer and you you start learning about all these kids getting born with with hundreds of carcinogenic chemicals day one you know when they when they're born so that was that was a really big thing for us was just figuring out how we can kind of get them back to you know back to square one back to zero um so the sauna was a really easy way to do that and it's also hyperthermia hyperthermia is the other thing um, just raising the core body temperature, the healthy cells can handle it. The, the cancer cells can't, that's the, that's the theory behind that one. How um, do you, how do you do hyperthermia with a little one? Well, like I said, it's just, just sitting in the sauna, just letting your, letting your core body temperature raise. I got you. Um, talk about how you feed now two little children, super healthy because people, you know, we changed our diet so much. And when my son Cade was dying at 15 months old and below the fifth percentile for weight and diagnosed failure to thrive. And he just laid there in a car seat. He was so sick and he was on bronchodilators and ster liquid steroids. And when I realized I was told by a doctor that there's nothing more they could do for him, they weren't saying go home and die. They were saying, we've used all the silver bullets. I went home and just hit my knees and sobbing was like, what else is there? What am I going to do here? And I was like, well, I, I have to do it. I just heard the doctor say, we don't have anything more for you. All there is is more, more hospitalizations and more liquid steroids that will absolutely stunt his growth. P.S. He's a six foot three, 24 year old. Now I had to change our diet and I didn't change our diet a little, you know, when you're motivated, yeah, I was the same as you pull out all the stops. There was never any white flour in our house ever again. There was never any sugar in our house again. There was, I just went in the closet in the cupboard. When I started learning 
Oh my gosh, our diet could be part of it. There's never any more dairy. I mean, we had gallons of cow milk, right? Cow milk full of, you know, pus and blood and hormones and steroids and antibiotics. I didn't know that. But the more I studied, I was like, oh my gosh, I just got to get rid of all this stuff. And it was intense and it was expensive and it was the best thing I've ever done. How do you feel about that? And how do you, how, how's your lifestyle now? And how's Channing benefiting from that little girl? Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's kind of amazing when you open your eyes to all of the toxins, including the ones in our refrigerator, but we had garbage bags <laughs> just filled with stuff that just you got thrown away. Right. And we were already eating mostly organic but we stopped going out to eat like 100%. We um, were in complete control of our food. Even while we were inpatient for over a month, we had a little steamer and we were steaming vegetables and cooking rice. And that was our diet in the hospital instead of, I mean, we never touched any of the hospital food or the water for that matter. But I mean, I used to always think with Ryder that, I started believing people like, oh, you're so lucky that he just eats this way. And I just thought, okay, maybe we are lucky. But now Channing is almost 16 months and she loves eating salads. And um, she has the same taste that he does. So maybe it's genetic, but I really do feel like it's what you put in front of your kids and, um, and make a part of your, your lifestyle that, that they're going to ultimately choose and like. Yeah. I mean, they, they only know the reality that you present to them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's why we, we make a big deal. Like it has to be a whole family change. It can't just be you telling your kid to eat better, even if you're not eating the bad stuff in front of them, if you don't like really believe it, you know, they're, they're going to know that, you know, that you're, you're just trying to sell them something that, that, that you don't do yourself. Yeah. Um, smart, and- smart, smart. And it doesn't just apply to food as a, as a mom kind of on the other end of it. I'm my youngest just turned 17. The other three are adults. Now I'm telling you everything you model to them is going to be far more powerful than any words you ever say. And you've heard that before, but it's absolutely 100% true. I mean, if you read books a lot in front of your kids and to them, they will be readers. If you eat healthy foods, that's far more powerful than you giving them some lecture about eating their vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, you know, and, and that being said, so we are, we are fortunate in the fact that, I mean, th- this is all they know and it's, it's all they know. Um, but that being said, we've, you know, we, we work one-on-one with, with parents that get this diagnosis, just getting them pointed in the right direction and whatnot. Definitely not, you know, trying to take the place of a naturopathic doctor or anything like that, but maybe pointing them to a good naturopathic doctor and all that. And, uh, and, and a big part of that is lifestyle change. And we've seen plenty of families now that you know, the, the kid was however old, older than you know, they, they were living a a regular standard American diet. And we, we've seen plenty of kids turn it around just with, with dedicated families. So you definitely, you, you definitely can turn it around even if it's, that's not how you're starting. Yeah. I, I love what you're doing with your kids. It's going to have far more benefits than just getting past this cancer diagnosis. And, and it's hard not to stay in a place of fear, you know, where I'm sure there's a lot of fear fueling your early efforts, but you do get past that. You get past the fear and then it becomes like pure empowerment and flow. And you get to share a lot of these principles with, gosh, you're just going to share it with thousands, if not millions of people over the course of your career. But um, what I like to tell people is that, and I don't know why I always go into this mode of like sharing information, like I'm like, I'm giving you advice as an older mom, older mom to younger parents, not that you asked for my advice, but just things I wish I'd known is that when you build Channing's and Ryder's cells out of high vibration materials, they are literally attracted to high vibration foods. Does that resonate for you? That does. That's interesting, but it does seem like it already, just the kinds of things that they like. And um, it's funny that you say that because Ryder's treat, um, we always make sure that he gets like a treat if we, you know, go somewhere where we know not like our kind of food is going to be served. Mm, he gets birthday parties and stuff. Yeah, right. Yep. 
Um, he always gets to pick out a raw snack bar. Like we go to Whole Foods and they have a raw food section and that's his treat. It's raw food and we make raw snacks too. And I know that those are some of the highest vibrating foods. Yeah. I, w- I want to know, because I don't know that I still have a, a full picture yet. You did some chemo. How much did you do? Did you end it before they wanted you to? Did you do the whole, the whole amount? Like how'd that go for you? And, and you had a, you had a physician who wasn't going to report you to guardian ad litem and, and call in the attorney general's office, right? You were able to just kind of lie low on some of your alternative stuff, or did you just like negotiate to do a little less than standard of care wanted you to tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, so as far as talking about the alternative stuff, it was like Teddy said, it was just kind of don't ask, don't tell. We, we started trying to ask them about what they thought about certain things at first, but then, you know, the answers weren't really jiving with, with any of the research that we did. Well, I mean, to further that point, I mean, when you're on chemotherapy, you're told don't eat fruits and vegetables because there's bacteria on them. Um, you're told oh, not dear. Foods. You're told not to take any probiotics. Probiotics, heaven forbid. Right. We asked about alkaline water and a nurse just said, oh, that could be bad for his kidneys. And you're right. We were at a place of fear. And when you're starting to hear that, you know, it doesn't make sense with all of the research that you've done, but you start questioning, well, what if, what if they know something that I don't know? So, I mean, (laughs) That was kind of a harder part of the journey was getting over that fear and just having complete faith in what we were doing um, that was actually helping Ryder. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, to that point, it's I we came to the realization that if we're doing all of this stuff that's clearly good for him, it's nutrition and just all sorts of good stuff. If we're doing, say, 50 things and maybe two of them weren't the best decision, I think those 48 things are going to are gonna override the two things that, you know, might be a negative or something like that. So I don't know. I, I guess that's that's really the piece that we came to with it. But going back to your question about, you know, how much chemotherapy Ryder did, um, ultimately he did half the standard of care protocol. We did four rounds with him. But it wasn't easy, and um, and we moved states, and that's another part of our story. Yeah, I mean, so it was, you know, after after we went home and, and initially went home without doing anything, and then we came back and got the first round, it, it was made pretty clear to us that, you know, stopping at our discretion wasn't really something on the menu, no matter, you know, no matter how well he was doing. And that's it. There was a lot of back and forth, a lot of trying to negotiate. And if we can get this far after so many rounds, you know, what do you think? And uh, just the, the answer kept changing, you know, a lot. And and we never really were clear on exactly how much was going to be enough and when the stopping point was. And and, you know, there was just some other things that just were making the whole experience not we just felt we could do better for Ryder. And that's, that's when we ended up moving states was, was now we're, now we're here with you in Utah, Robin. We had actually talked to an oncologist out here in Utah um, while we were calling around getting second opinions. And it was the staff that kept us inpatient in um, where we were in Seattle and we couldn't go anywhere at that point. But once we had um, determined the cause of the staff that was living on the line, which was funny that I had said to them, hey, what if it could be living on his line? And that was argued with us for a while. And then a few days later, they came back and said, well, maybe it's living on the line. So they removed his first line and ended up putting a port on the other side of his chest. So like Ryan said, there were actually a few things too. But um, we knew Utah was on the map because we had talked to an oncologist here that seemed a little bit more open to how Ryder was doing. And um, and if we could get to a certain point of shrinking the tumors, then maybe there was some room for discussion. So um, between his third and fourth round, we moved to Utah. And um, when we got here, we did the fourth and final round about a week and a half after we got here. And um, and at that point, we knew that we wanted to stop, but, you know, of course, our oncologist was really trying to discourage it and then negotiate. Well, what if we can settle on six rounds? OK, or we could do an MRI after five rounds and see. And um, 
we knew just based on how well Ryder was doing and how much shrinkage there already was. And at this point, he was down to one primary tumor, the same one in his spinal cord, which will probably never go away and is probably just scar tissue at this point. But the metastasis to his hip bones was gone. The secondary tumors were gone. Um, he was crawling. He was standing up. Um, and uh, he had feeling back in his feet. He was, I was able to tickle him and get reactions from him. So we knew he was doing really well. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like Teddy said, that he was, that's the difference though, is, is this oncology team was literally, they, they still, the standard of care is all they know, but they also um, are just a little more cognizant of the of the damage that it can do and are mm-hmm. just more earnestly seeking to minimize it so uh, they were they were open to and especially with with writers type of of cancer that uh, that was this was actually explained to us by the current oncology team that if you picture a car going over a trying to get over the hump like on on top of a hill and it just has to make it to the top of the hill and then it can coast down the uh, the other side there's a lot of data on on riders type of neuroblastoma that says you know if you can get to that hump and obviously there's no 100% way of knowing where that hump is in each individual cancer but they do know that you don't have to blast away every last cell even just by conventional means um, that if you get it far enough that that it'll go the rest of the way so you know the the, the what what's the word I'm looking for? The the response was was greater than than anyone had expected at that point after those four rounds, and you know, I like to think it had something to do with with everything that we were doing, and um and yeah, so they were you know, they were open to at the end eventually they were open to stopping, and it's funny like we we moved to get out of to get out of treatment, but then once we actually had that decision, it what it wasn't an easy decision at all. It was still. There was a ton of weight behind that decision because it basically takes the responsibility off of um, the oncology team. And as parents, it really puts everything on us. And um, there was no stopping. I mean, we were doing so many of these natural protocols at home and and he was still under the care of an oncology team. We were getting MRIs every three months um, to basically monitor that tumor in his spinal cord, which there was no room for that thing to start growing again. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the resistance, especially in childhood cancer, comes to exploring natural therapies, even if they're just purely complementary. There's no intention of of getting out of chemotherapy or anything like that. But I mean, the minute you start doing your own research, uh, it does put the, you know, some burden of responsibility on you. Now you're involved in, in healing your child. And, um, and I, I think that's, that's a hard thing for parents to, some parents to wrap their mind around is, you know, that in a sense, our, our child, well, not in a sense, I mean, writer's life was, was in our hands. Um, but, you know, that, that is exactly where I would want it to be uh, for us is knowing that, you know, that, that I'm going to be doing everything I can to, to save my son. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess that's the message we're trying to spread is even if, you know, you don't go to the lengths we did to, to minimize the chemotherapy. I mean, there's just so much you can be doing that's, that's going to help your kid. I mean, even, even when Ryder was on chemotherapy on a regular basis for those first few rounds, he was, he was the best looking kid in the hospital. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it to brag or anything, but it's just how it was. And, uh, and I, I would at least like to see every kid look as good as Ryder did and feel as good as Ryder did. And I'm obviously not saying it was perfect. You know, we definitely had our share of nausea and throwing up and, and stuff like that. But, but overall it was, you know, it was, it was all right. Well, I am deeply honored to have gotten to share your story here, but I want you to tell us one more thing before you go. What have you learned about not just uh, treating a very small person with cancer and helping uh, him detoxify because probably he came into this world with some kind of toxicity that in combination with his genetics and his weaknesses caused a serious problem. And I absolutely believe that you'll stay on top of it. And I believe that people are managing cancer more than curing cancer these days. And you could 
have a even have a tumor on your spinal column that you debulked it with the with the chemo. I'm quite sure that was the right thing to do. You really had to. He was he was in jeopardy just from the size of the thing and the location of the thing. That was the right thing to do. What other things? We've talked about the food and how well you're feeding your two little ones now. What are some of the other things that you can just tick off a list that my listeners, whether they are affected by childhood cancer or not, they're probably not, are cancer preventative, are part of a high vibration lifestyle that is disease preventative? Yeah. So I think just making your home a healing home, whether you're trying to prevent disease or reverse disease. And I mean, that starts with everything inside of your home from the cleaning products that you use to the EMFs that could be around your your home. And um, for anyone who doesn't know what EMFs are, the, the radiation that comes from cell towers and your wireless router, just making sure that you're reducing that. And um, what else, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, no, just, I mean, I, I don't know. As far as just we, we kind of look at it as like removing barriers to, to healing or to wellness, right. stuff like that. So it's, I don't know, making sure your your mattresses aren't off-gassing and you don't have uh, dirty electricity is is another, you know, form of, of bad energy, I guess you could say, that could be that could be coming through the lines. Uh, again, just, just all the uh, all the potential chemicals, the, the air quality in your house, all that stuff. And the water. The water is huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, that's a big thing for us, just in general. And, uh, and we actually made like a little, um, what do you call it? A little document that's just kind of like a checklist type thing that we, you know, that we've been giving to people that, um, that want it. And what's the link for that, babe? Just mykidcurescancer.com slash healing dash home. Healing home. Yeah. But, you know, aside from removing the the barriers to to healing, um, a lot of, stuff that that people would probably think is is pretty weird that we you know there's some of our most popular videos on youtube is um i I don't know so we we've we've been getting into the cold thermogenesis lately which is you know lowering core body temperature and um and then contrast showers so i i don't know you maybe you've had somebody come on talk about the, the the just how good cold is for you um and so Ryder has gotten pretty accustomed. I take a cold shower every morning or a, a contrast shower going back and forth from hot to cold. And now Ryder is a, is a pro contrast shower taker as well. He actually demands cold water. Um, what else? We have just a lot of energy medicine. Um, you know, yeah, rice machine and Tesla light. Yeah, I don't I don't claim to know which which one is the best as far as the best potential energy medicine device out there. But you know, um, definitely, you talk about raising your vibration. The the Tesla lights. Uh, that's that's what they do. Oh yeah, and I mean we didn't even touch on this, but we all live in Utah now, which happens to be like the mecca for essential oils. So definitely. That's a part of our lifestyle. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, uh, baths. Yeah, bath time for us now is a chance to, you know, implement some healing measure, whether it's Epsom salts or bentonite clay or, or the essential oils. We even do or our local salts. I mean, yeah, yeah, the, Utah, the Redmond the detox salt or whatever it from is from the Great Salt Lake. Yeah. Um, what else? Rebounding. So that's, that's good for the lymphatic system. So, you know, if you're an adult, you have to get like an expensive little personal trampoline so it won't break. But it, if you're dealing with kids, then you just go get one of those little tykes trampolines and it's like is, $40 on Amazon and yeah. Ryder loves it and yeah. he rebounds himself. I mean, we don't have to force Ryder to do any of this. This is his lifestyle and he loves it. And he loves going in the sauna with Ryan. That is his that is the highlight of his night. Yeah. And then we also just have like our general little exercise routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, music. Yeah. Music is big. Yeah. Yeah. Music will do. Uh, um, I, I know you had Michael Tyrell on, which uh, I have been too cheap to buy those those CDs, even though they're not too much, a hundred bucks, something like that. But, but just YouTube, uh, pretty much at any time during the day in our house, we'll, we'll have some sort of, you know, uh, 432 Hertz, 528 Hertz. I forget all the different Hertz you can get, but just some sort of healing music going throughout the day. Um, well, right now, Ryder's obsessed with Bob Marley. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's on a real big Bob Marley, and only specific Bob yeah. Marley songs, actually, like Three Little Birds," "Stir It Up," and a couple others. And then it's like you just you just have to repeat them again. So that's somehow I got to figure out how to convert the the frequency myself so I can get it down to four thirty two hertz or something. Cause, yeah, yeah. So somehow Bob Marley has made its way into discussion of how to live at the higher frequencies. I love it. Um, I and I and I heard on one of your podcast episodes I was listening to this morning that you get him out in the sun, you let him go out in the deck and play in the sun. You were talking about you were talking about an introduction to one of your episodes. What sunscreen? People asking you what sunscreen to get, and I'm really glad you mentioned that one of the most correlated things to cancer risk is high vitamin D levels. I make sure my vitamin D levels are optimal. It could not be more important. People live closer to the equator. People with higher vitamin D levels year round just generally don't get cancer. And so, and the best place you can get it is from the sun. And so glad to hear you get here. Glad to hear you getting him in the sun. It's important. Yeah. And we actually, that's, that's one thing we encourage parents to do is whenever they're, you know, a lot of times when you're dealing with cancer, you're getting blood work all the time. It's just request that you at least get the vitamin D levels checked. I mean, optimally you you go for as much as you can, as far as getting covered by insurance, but we've never had any argument just getting the vitamin D levels checked. So that's how we've actually stayed on top of that is every few months, Ryder's been getting his getting his vitamin D levels checked and yeah, just getting outside in general. Um, we're also really big in getting in the, uh, in the forest itself. Um, you know, just overall it feels great. And what do you know, there's the Japanese have been doing a bunch of studies on, they call it forest bathing, but it's, it's basically just spending time in the woods and talk about a immune boosting. That's like a free immune boosting supplement. The, uh, all the, all the studies they do, it's just, um, your natural killer cells, the, uh, the number of them and the, uh, uh, the activity level of them just off the charts, just from spending time in the woods, who knows why, but you know, I think you kind of get it. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're big on, big on the outdoors. Okay. Well, I am super inspired. I hope my readers are too. Um, I say readers because I was a blogger a long time before I was a podcaster and then I have to correct myself and say listeners, but I, I've learned a lot here today. I hope everyone has, make sure you look up mykidcurescancer.com and you've heard a really great little resource about detoxifying your home. What was it again? Mykidcurescancer.com slash healing dash home. Okay. I love that. Thank you for that gift and make sure you support their mission. Uh, they have a, um, what do you call those fundraiser things? Our Patreon account is what you might be, might be referring to. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, for, for a long time, we just had a, a straight up fundraiser raising money for everything we're doing for Ryder, but, uh, that, you just can't keep a fundraiser going forever. But now, I mean, we're, we're transitioning into, you know, we're, we're putting out a lot of information for people and, and if they derive enough value in it that they would like to contribute to everything we're doing, um, then that's, that's an option for them too. You know, it's, uh, pay what you want if you want. And the, uh, the link for that is mykidcurescancer.com slash crowd sponsor and crowd sponsor is all one word. Crowd sponsor. I am going to have my own assistant go and sign us up for monthly support. This is a young family who has been through the war. They've done something very brave. They've done something that now has a little boy thriving and is inspiring many people. I've already had, I think, 10,000 downloads of their brand new podcast. So Ryan and Teddy Sternagel, thank you so much for being with us and keep on living a high vibration life, my friends. 